I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello. Welcome to episode 100, Designing Weaving and Knitting Patterns with Angela Tong. Can you believe we've made it to episode 100? I'm so grateful for the community we've created and the type of information that we can now pass down throughout the generations to come. Thank you all for listening and for your continued support. This week's episode features Angela Tong, a designer of knitting and weaving patterns, a pottery maker, and Merrick's Looms brand ambassador. I came across Angela's work via BIPOC in Fiber. That's the Black Indigenous Person of Color in Fiber project. And I'm excited to share a conversation about working with the trifecta of fiber arts, knitting, weaving, and crocheting, as well as how important it is to create space and amplify the voices of people of color in the world of fibers. Hey, Angela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Nice to be here. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background and how you began working with fibers? Uh, my name is Angela Tong, and I'm a fiber arts designer now living in New Jersey. Um, I started maybe, I'd like to say, in 2000. So I learned to knit and crochet at that time. And weaving wasn't even in the picture yet until 2010. (laughs) But I was knitting for about 10 years before I started um, thinking about learning to uh, write patterns and to design. And around, actually, when I started publishing my own patterns, uh, knitting patterns, was when I acquired a loom and I learned how to weave. I never thought I would be teaching weaving, but two years later, I was um, approached by Craftsy, which is now Blueprint, to teach their first uh, weaving class, which is a rigid huddle weaving class. So that was really exciting, um, along with knitting and weaving and crocheting, um, you know, getting into all the fiber categories as much as I can. Mm. And were you around or experimenting with fibers as a child or was this something that literally you kind of started knitting 10 years ago and then from there you just kind of continued to learn and educate yourself and build your your craft? So I was always artistic as a kid and just they always said I had a pencil and paper in hand, always drawing. I loved art. But never did I do any fiber arts. Um, I asked. I begged everybody. Anybody that I would know, you know, parents, family, um, you know, family, friends, even teachers. I'm like, can you teach me how to knit or how to uh, crochet? Really wanted to learn because I loved making everything. Uh, no one did. Uh, and only until I graduated college um, and my first job, I was a jewelry designer and my benchmate, who sat next to me, we were just chit-chatting one day, and she said, oh, I know how to knit. I can teach you to knit. And I said, oh, I would love to knit. I would, please. So after work, <laughs> she took me to a local yarn shop in New York City, and she helped me pick out some yarn and a pair of needles, and she taught me to knit stitch. 
Mm. And at that point, of course, I went to you know the local uh, bookstore and I got you know how to knit for dummies, how to crochet for dummies, because I thought if I know how to knit, then I could teach myself to crochet. So I basically taught myself to crochet, and she taught me how to knit at the same time. So I was doing both at the same time. That's so interesting that you use all three mediums. And I'm kind of curious if you have noticed any similarities or differences between all three. Like, what are some of the things that weaving, knitting, and crocheting have in common? And maybe what are the things that really set them apart other than the utensils or looms? For me, I think I come at it at a different angle um, because I was a knitter and crocheter first. For weaving, I also use uh, a lot of knitting yarns, which if you speak to traditional weavers or people who only started with weaving, they don't use those kind of yarns. They, they're using weaving yarns, coned yarns, you know, large amounts of yarns, because knitting yarns are expensive. Knitting and crocheting yarns are very expensive at like boutique stores, right? So they would never use that. But because I came at it from that angle where I was knitting and crocheting first, I had a really healthy, you know, stash or collection of yarns, and I wanted to use it. And by I got a rigid had a loom first um, through Craigslist. So that's how I started weaving. But the classes I took, we used weaving yarns, um, but I wanted to use up some of my stash. And I started weaving with the a lot of knitting and crocheting yarns that people didn't always use at that time. So I started experimenting with that. So for me, I find a big similarity for me using the same type of yarns and materials where you can knit with it, crochet with it, and weave with it. But even though the equipment is different, right? Knitting needles, crochet, ne- crochet hook, and a weaving loom. And even within the weaving category, there's so many types of looms. So there's pin looms that I experiment a lot with, We um, knitting yarns, because if you can knit with it, a lot of times you can weave on that little pin loom with it. Um, so I, I, I approach things very differently. But now that I've been part of uh, two weaving guilds in New Jersey, I see a big difference. You know, a lot of them do not knit or crochet, and actually some of them do. So there's always crossovers, but they come at it totally different. And I'm in awe of these weavers, and I'm learning so much through them, and I always feel like I'm learning something. So it's kind of interesting to see that angle of things, how they are coming at it straight from the weaving. They don't know how to knit or crochet, and this is is the material they use. And they find that the materials that we use as knitters and crocheters um, too cost prohibitive. They said to me, wow, you know, these knitting yarns are so expensive compared to, you know, weaving yarns. I'm like, oh, that's true. (laughs) That's true. I can't disagree with that, you know. So, yeah, that's, you know, for me, I I embrace it all. So I don't see... I don't feel like there's always, I don't see a distinction between like, yeah, you can't do that with that. I'm like, well, why can't you do that with that? You know, so I'm always trying to combine all three because I'm always trying to enable people to learn other crafts too, you know, like, oh, you're a weaver, but you should learn how to knit too. You can do this or you knit. Oh, let me teach you how to use a loom because then you could weave up uh, a lot of your yarn statches. <laughs> yeah. How did you begin working with patterns specifically? You kind of talked about how you taught yourself to start to experiment with these different mediums, but how did you sort of graduate into the teaching aspect of it? 
Um, so the writing patterns, like designing, came about because I was test knitting a lot for a toy pattern designer. I started, you know, she would have a call out, you know, I need this pattern tested, which really means that you just need to take the pattern and follow her directions to make sure that is understandable and knit a sample out of it that you keep yourself. So I started doing that a lot, but I would also find issues or mistakes or bring things up like, hey, this could be a little more clearer or what did you mean by this? And she actually said, you know, did you ever think about, you know, designing patterns, like writing patterns? And I said, because she said that I was so meticulous and that I was very detail oriented to be able to, you know, find, you know, find mistakes or find issues with patterns. And I said, no, 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 I, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't, I was like, I couldn't design, you know, I can follow directions, but I can't design. And then out of boredom one day, I was like, you know, really want to, you know, see, are there classes out there, you know? So I Google searched it and uh, a really well-known designer, Stephanie um, Jappel, had her own online classes. It was how to design a shawl pattern. And in her class, it talked about how we would design our own pattern and be able to write a pattern out that could be published. And I was like, wow, this sounds just like it would be great for me. So I signed up for that class. It was her own network and she designed, you know, she taught it herself. And this is way before Crafts Your Blueprint came on board. And I took the class and it just opened everything up for me. Everything made sense where I'm like, oh, so this is how you take a stitch pattern book, take a stitch design and put it into a, you know, a shawl. And how do you do the math? And how do you write? Which is very important, right? Because knitting, crocheting, and weaving, all our terms, it's like a different language. You know, it's like, a, I call it like coding, you know, but it's for the fiber arts. And you have to learn to write. You have to learn to write. You have to learn to write. We, we have our own abbreviations for everything. So it was about learning that. And then she also taught us how to submit. Like she showed us that we shouldn't be afraid and that it was just a simple drawing and a simple description and you could submit to like books and magazines. And so I took that class and I started publishing two patterns on my own through Ravelry at the time, because Ravelry was a great platform at the time for us where, you know, it allowed us to actually put a pattern out there and for sale and we would get paid and they handled hosting the pattern. So I did that. And one day I was on Ravelry and I saw a call from an editor from, I forgot, it was an interweave magazine. And she said she had a call out for a special issue. And I had just designed a new thing and I haven't, I didn't really make the whole thing yet. And I just had an idea. So I thought about it. I thought about it. I'm like, should I, should I, you know, just take that chance. And on the last day that, you know, I could actually submit by, by you know, back then it was sending everything in and not email. So I, I would have to put it like a, a real sample, like a little swatch that I would have to knit up a drawing and a description. So I said, okay, I'm going to go for this. Today's the last day I can ship this out. So I did it. And I remember at the time, my daughter was maybe three or four and we were walking and we were living in Brooklyn at the time. And we were walking to the post office to drop it off. And I had her kiss the envelope for good luck. And she put it into the mailbox for me. Aww. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, like, let's see, this, this is my first submission. It's kind of scary. And then a month later, I got an email back that I was accepted. And I, I was actually screaming and jumping up and down because I, was, I couldn't believe it. And since then, I have not stopped designing. Like, 
it was, it just has cascaded. I've continued to submit. I designed for, you know, now I design for, you know, yarn companies, books, magazines, everything. And um, it has been amazing how that one little leap of faith and it turned into a whole, a whole career for me, actually. Wow, that's an amazing story. And was this pattern specifically for weaving, crocheting, or knitting? Uh, knitting, yes, it was knitting. What medium would you say you make more patterns for? Definitely knitting because I've been more comfortable uh, knitting patterns for a long time. I've dabbled in crochet, so I've I think I designed a cowl for a uh, the Noro Yarns um, crochet book, and I haven't had enough time to spend on you know designing crochet i crochet all the time but not like sitting there designing crochet patterns so i'd like to do that more recently because i just want to you know i've been doing knitting for so long um weaving i'm very interested in doing uh so i've been having my uh, patterns published through handwoven and their special issue called little looms so that's a fun thing because it's working with little looms. I love little looms. I collect all types of little looms. So it's been great for me as a platform where, you know, maybe other traditional weaving magazines wouldn't accept my designs because it's on a niche, like very niche looms, but they mm. are very accepting of all types of looms, like especially small ones. So it's been great where I'll design a couple of things for them each year. And, you know, I've been finding myself doing more and more these days because, um, it's a challenge too because writing weaving patterns is different than knitting patterns and I like to, you know I like to you know I like to you know delve into all crafts so and I like to be proficient in it so this has been a fun thing for me to write patterns and you know along with teaching too so it helps to be you can teach much better if you you know <laughs> if you, you you know you can make mistakes and learn things but like um, I find that if I'm writing something I can also explain it very well too while teaching if I can write it out. Mm. And you mentioned that you collect little looms. Can you talk about some of the looms that you've collected? Yeah, so I like these uh, vintage, it's called Weavits. Um, I don't know if it, we, we were talking about it in our Weaving Guild recently about how far it dates back. But some of the ones I have are from the 1950s. And wow. it's just a little pin loom. It's just a little square loom where... I didn't think I would love it, but I saw an issue of, um, it was a, I think it was a spinoff magazine that I saw. It was on the front cover and they, it was an article about these vintage pendulums and I fell in love with it. I'm like, wow, it's like patchwork. It's like quilting. You make little squares and I love quilting also and I don't have enough time, but when I do have time, I try to make quilts <laughs> and I felt like this would be you know, something I would love to do. And so I sourced out, I couldn't find, like a lot of the vintage pin looms are kind of expensive on eBay, but I found something online where somebody was making them out of wood and selling it through a shop. So I called them up and they said, oh, we have two more left. You know, so I ordered one and I started to teach myself how to weave on it following some uh, online instructions, like the old instructions. And I started delving into it, and I really loved it. And then I started collecting them when I, you know, sometimes I see it on Etsy, sometimes I see it on eBay. I haven't found them at estate sales or yard sales, like I've seen some other people have, but I definitely get them online. So I, I collect the different sizes. Um, they're, they're mostly square, but sometimes they're rectangles. And just little, and not just those looms, I there's tapestry looms, there's all types of looms. And 
uh, vegetal looms, they're small ones too. So I collect the small ones. Um, but I use it a lot of times for teaching and sampling too. So it's good to have multiple looms for me at home because I'll have, you know, a project on two of them and, and I'm like, oh, I need to, um, make a little swatch of a fabric sample. So now I'll pull out the other one and I put some, uh, I put a warp on and try that one. So it's, uh, yeah, it becomes a little obsessive with me with the, with the collecting of the looms, but my husband's very tolerant and very enabling. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so cool. And where do you find them? I find them on uh, Craigslist, eBay, and sometimes on Ravelry because uh, Ravelry has forums that for used equipment. So a lot of people sell off their stuff when they don't want to use it anymore. Mm, that's such a good tip. I'm going to mm-hmm. immediately after this interview go on Ravelry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Use, used equipment group. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is such a good tip. I had no idea. Yeah. And a lot of them are local, too, because they'll post where they are. And if it's in the same state, you know, you could easily pick it up, you know, where shipping sometimes prohibitive on these things because they're too big. Yeah, especially if it happens to be like a floor loom or something like that. Yeah, floor looms. Uh, people sell weaving. Uh, the, sorry, the spinning wheels. Yep. Oh, <laughs> so really? Mm-hmm. You can get a used spinning wheel easily. Yep. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm headed to that. <laughs> <laughs> And so this might be kind of a difficult question, but do you have a particular medium that you favor? Huh. Yeah, that is hard. (laughs) (laughs) I, when I say I do everything, I almost do everything. So it's really hard to pick one thing that I do uh, because, I mean, I don't know, like, do you mean in the fiber arts or like any art medium? Um, I mean, I guess between knitting, crocheting and weaving, I mean, they're all very different. And so I think that it might be difficult to pinpoint one because they all kind of offer different, they have different characteristics and the different things that you make. Like, you know, with weaving, people often can make really beautiful hand towels and fabrics for clothing, whereas a hat would certainly be more comfortable if it's knitted or crocheted. Um, but I guess I'm wondering, you know, if the if there is if if you have one that you a medium that you gravitate more towards. Well, you know, I think it goes in and out for me. But right now, you know, if you were to ask me which is my favorite medium right now, <laughs> I would definitely say weaving. Only because I'm right now for me, I'm exploring further what you can do with weaving, mm-hmm. where I'm weaving fabric. I want to. I'm I'm weaving yardage, right? I'm not just. Because, you know, in the beginning when you start weaving, you're making scarves and hand towels. Mm-hmm. And those are the typical things. But I think the most question, the, the most popular question I receive as a teacher, they always ask me, well, what can I do besides a scarf? Is that all? Like, you know, when they're asking me what size loom they should buy, they ask me, like, can just I can only make scarves. I'm like, well, no, you should get a loom that will weed as wide as you need for the projects that you intend to do. If you only ever want to weave scarves, then yes, a 10 inch, 12 inch, that's fine. You know, you don't need to get a bigger one. But who's to say you can't get a bigger one? So for me right now, I'm exploring further where I want to get into, you know, sewing some of my own clothing with the woven cloth because I sew, but not that much. And I can quilt and, but I just see... I just want to show people more what you can do with your woven cloth. And it's not just a scarf. You can weave. And even um, 
even if you got a loom that isn't that wide, in traditional uh, Japanese kimonos, they only have woven them very you know, short widths. They're just lengths of it, and they be, they can be attached. So mm-hmm. we don't feel. I don't want pe- like weavers or people that want to weave feel like they have to get this giant wide loom. They don't. You can piece pieces together. So even if you have a short um, like short width loom, you can actually make a lot of pieces with it. Where you people, I've seen people make blankets. They seam them together, and you can make it as wide as you need. There's double weaving on a loom that you can do. So I think right now for me is weaving. I'm very in, very much into. We're knitting and crocheting. Crocheting, I do it as more like a hobby when I'm when I have time to make up something. Where I, if I see a pattern out there, like toys, I like to you know crochet toys, or I see a blanket that I really like, I'll make it. And knitting for me is a job. So knitting right now is I I'm strictly designing. So I'm not. So on my off time, I'm not gravitating towards knitting because I'm already doing it every day because I'm designing patterns every day for, you know, I'm working on samples. But weaving is more like I'm not, weaving is more I'm teaching it and I'm designing one or two things, but it's definitely my spare time. I'm definitely delving more into the weaving, like see what else we can do with the weaving. Mm. And what would you say is a source of inspiration for your patterning? and your fiber making, how do you choose like the colors or what's the process of coming up with a pattern? Colors, it depends because I do it for a job. So they usually will have a call out and tell me like, this is our color palette. So I'll select a color that I like from their color palette for that issue. And I'll find something in my stash that, you know, can work with it. And I will, you know, design with that color. But oftentimes when they accept a pattern, they're giving you the yarn anyway. So I don't have control over the colors, <laughs> the final color. So they'll send me, this is what you're going to be working with. But because if I, if it's up to me, you know, like I tend to like, you know, <laughs> do certain colors all the time. So it's good to actually have someone tell you, no, you're going to be using this color, you know. And then I think for like weaving, I definitely like to play with colors a lot and texture. Um so not necessarily like uh, pat, you know, patterns, but I'm using colors and textures to create patterning, and I think it's what is what's pleasing to me at the time. Where I, you know, I'll look at a color, you know, does this look good with this one? Does that look good with that one? And I think I get inspired by just everyday stuff. You're on the internet, you see colors all the time. Um, you're being bombarded, you know from the TV or, you know, even outside, you know, know, I'll get inspired where I saw somebody walking by with a particular, you know, they're wearing something. I'm like, wow, those two colors look spectacular. Let me jot that down. You know, next time I'm going to use these two colors for it, you know. And just recently I I designed and wove a scarf, which I haven't written the pattern for. It's just for myself. It was uh, for Chinese New Year. I actually wanted, I was really inspired by the colors of um, the lion dance. The costumes for the lions are this like bright gold and red. And I happened to have two yarns from Just Yarns, the Italian silk noil yarns, that were the colors I was, you know, because I bought them not intending to use it for that. I bought a bunch of the colors. And I was like, this, these two colors, the cherry and sunshine. I was like, this up, 
these are the two colors for my Chinese New Year scarf. So I, yeah, I, I warped it up. <laughs> so I designed my own thing on it and I just finished it and I, I love it. And people who I've shown the inspiration photo with and then the actual scarf and they're like, yeah, this is, yeah, these colors work. These are the colors from the Chinese, you know, from the lion dance from Chinese New Year because we celebrate with gold and red colors, you know, so that, you know, so I feel like I get inspired by holidays or just traditions, you know, and just everyday things. I, I, I guess I love color. I mean, if you look at my Instagram feed, it's very colorful. But I think what I, but I feel like I'm not colorful. Like what I choose to wear, grays, black, it's maybe too many years in New York. It's, it's the col- <laughs> that's the uniform, you know? I was thinking, I was like, you're in Jersey, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I tried, but you know what? Um, scarves or like a hat, you know, because I knit it myself or I weave it myself. Those are the those are the sparks of colors that I put on myself, you know, because I think one of the, you know, I don't talk about what I do most, a lot of times at school and my daughter who's in kindergarten, they're like, oh, oh, I didn't know you knit, you know, oh, is that why your daughter has like the best hand knitted stuff? <laughs> like, you know, they thought I bought it or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Her hats are very colorful and sparkly. You know, her, she wears a cowl every day and it doesn't look like what you buy at stores, you know, because there's nice patterning it's not simple you know so it was really interesting to hear that that they're like oh yeah we always admired her her knitted stuff we just thought you bought it you know didn't realize you made it yourself but yep (laughs) that's amazing and we'll definitely have to put images of of the chinese new year scarf that you were talking about love to see what that looks like and do you have a preferred weaving style or technique I think we go through phases. I was having this conversation with um, my weaving guild members and we were talking about how many shafts loom that you would get. And, you know, a lot of the weavers love to have multi shafts, like, you know, six. And I was joking about how I can't see what I would do with 16 shafts. <laughs> I said, right now, I have an eight shaft, I have a four shaft, and I have a two shaft. But most oftentimes, I'm very happy with two, which is two shaft is a rigid head of loom or two shaft um Sayori loom and she said to me well you know what angel i think it's because right now like, you know she sees my work so she said you know right now i think you're very much into exploring of colors and textures which you don't need like multiple you know shafts to do and i can see that but she said to me no don't don't say that you know you, you might like maybe like five years from now or like even shorter time that you might get into patterning or you would need multi shafts. But she said right now I see you doing that mostly. I'm like yes, because that's been my thing where it's basically plain weave, but there's so much to explore within plain weave where you can add texture, you can add you know just changing the color. You you know you can there's so many weaving techniques which is what I'm trying to teach um, that you don't need fancy equipment to you know create lots of patterning you can keep it simple so i feel like that's my weaving style right now and you know knitting i usually do i'm not into a ton of colors with weaving i love using variegated or multicolor yarns to let that shine and texture i love stitch patterns with texture Uh, i you know i think my style is usually very simple but with some interesting details. Like I love little pops of details, but not overwhelming. So like, it's, it's more like simple with details, you know, small details. Mm. 
And do you have any tips or tricks or strategies that you can share with listeners about making patterns or just, you know, overall advice for weaving or crocheting or knitting? So I think my one advice is to keep going at it. Like you have to be proficient at something to design something. So if you keep knitting, it's more practice, right? And if you keep crocheting, keep weaving, the more practice, the more pieces that you do and don't, you know, don't get hung up on perfection. Like, oh, my selvages are not even, they, they always ask me, how do I get my selvages perfect? I said, it's, you're not going to like this answer, but it's practice. You know, you keep going at it. And, you know, for designing, I think once you get proficient at something, you actually can explore designing. And even if you're a new newbie at it and that you wanted to try it, why not? You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to put yourself out there because in this day and age where we have so much of these platforms that we can put things out there to try for people to try out, it's not much of a risk. You're not spending a ton of money on doing this. And why not put out a pattern out there and, and let people try it? And if people have questions about, oh, well, how do I, how do I write this? Right. There's, well, what you're reading, like, don't, don't try to reinvent the wheel. I, I think my, my lawyer friend has always taught me that, like the language, you know, she deals with legal language all the time. Well, don't try to um, rewrite something when there is legal language for something like this. So we have our weaving, uh, weaving language, we have our knitting language, we have our crochet language. So by getting books and magazines, you read how something is written. And so you can follow the same things, follow the same guidelines. You use the same abbreviations and you use the same writing style where this is how it's, you know, how instructions are written. And I always, even when I'm writing something, because I write, you know, I have my own writing style for my own patterns. But when I'm working for a book or a magazine or a yarn company, I have to follow their style. So they'll give me um, one of their patterns or style sheet that I read. I'm like, okay, this is how they write things. You know, so you follow that. So I think my best advice to people is like, I don't know how to write something like this. Well, go look at a book, go look at a magazine and see how it is written. And you know, that, that way it's like a guideline for you to be able to write something and not feel like you have to write. And then after that, learning how to write something properly, you you can change your own style where I don't want to use the word I don't want to use K for knit, for knit, which is standard, but you can actually write the word knit. You know, there's, there's companies out there that said, I prefer you not to use K for knit. I prefer you to write out the word knit, the whole thing. I'm like, okay. You know, so a lot of times abbreviations are used, especially for magazines, because of space constraint. You can't, if you were to write out everything, it would be like a book, right? So <laughs> we need to keep everything to one page. So that's why there are standard abbreviations, you know? So yeah, any book and magazine, you'll see there's a glossary in the back. There's standard abbreviations for, um, you know, for each category, like knitting, weaving, and crochet. So you just follow the same abbreviations for it. And you learn like, oh, you know, P is for pearl, you know, SC is for single crochet, you know. So you start learning it that way. And I think that's why, like, I felt like that was like the best advice my, my lawyer friend did. She also knits and she was just like, no, you just follow, you know, just read how they write it. And, you know, don't try to reinvent a whole new language. I'm like, that's true. <laughs> so a lot of times, yeah, how do you write that? You know, look it up, you know, look up some, look up a pattern and, you know, see, oh, oh they wrote, they wrote it like this. Okay. Like that's, a, I think that's a really good guideline. And um, as to like, 
how to get your stuff published, you know, there is, you can publish your patterns yourself. You can publish on Etsy. They have this great new thing where before you would have to have to physically send somebody something, like physically send them via email or in, you know, by mail, the pattern or PDF. And now they have this download function where it's for PDF. So if you order a pattern, you know, after you pay, you get it directly into your account. And Ravelry, you start your Ravelry store. You start your Ravelry store where you have your own patterns up on there and you set up your PayPal account and you can sell patterns on Ravelry. And then to get things published, uh, there's calls everywhere online. You, If there's a particular magazine or a company that you really like, you go to their website and you look and there'll be like a call for submissions email list. And you can, or if you don't see one, you can email them and ask politely, you know, may I, you know, can you put me on your email list for designing? Because they're always looking for new designers and, you know, fresh ideas, fresh patterns, you know, so that's one way of doing it. And Ravelry has a designers forum that a lot of companies will put out a call so you can see, um, you know, this company is going to be publishing a book for XYZ and we're looking for these designs. And, you know, they'll have the explanations where deadline is this date. What are we looking for? Send, send your submissions in, you know, email. Or sometimes it's actually, you know, real mail. So you got to send it in physically. Um, so, yeah, I, there's a lot of resource out there to begin. And don't get discouraged. Uh, as much as I get into a lot of companies and magazines and books, I've gotten plenty of rejects. You save your rejects in the reject folder. And you can resubmit, <laughs> you can resubmit those designs to other companies. If one magazine didn't like it for this particular issue because it didn't fit maybe their aesthetic or didn't fit that particular theme, it could work for another company, you know? So don't feel like, oh my God, those are rejections and they're never going to see the day of light. No, no, no. Just save them all because you will actually reuse them someday. And oftentimes if one company didn't want it, somebody else will want it, you know? So don't get discouraged. I know it's really hard. It's really hard in the beginning when you, you feel like you're putting yourself out there because it's like a baby. Like you, you design this thing, you put all this effort in there. All I can tell people is that you just keep submitting. Just throw them out. It's like a resume. Just throw it out there. <laughs> Somebody will hire you, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, one thing that I also did want to talk to you about, which we spoke about previously before the interview, um, was that I came across your work via the BIPOC, Black Indigenous Person of Color in Fiber Instagram, where they highlight people of color who are fiber artists. And I was wondering if you could speak to the importance of being a person of color and working in the fiber industry and how who you are sort of plays into your work and, and your creations. Yeah, I mean... Right now, you know, there's conversations everywhere, right, um, about this. And we have spoken about diversity and inclusion and how in the fiber arts, that's not always the case. And there's a big movement on that where we're trying to make it a more inclusive space. And me being Chinese-American, um, I really haven't seen... For me, being in an industry, I haven't really seen people that look like me that does what I do. So I feel like it's a struggle sometimes to get myself be heard or seen, you know, my designs or my work or to have teaching opportunities. 
And so for me, I think it's really important that I keep pushing forward where I show people, you know, I show up at events. I, you know, any fiber events that are local to me, um, I go to industry events, I teach. And I want other people to see that there is people like me that actually do this kind of fiber arts. And it's not just one type of person. You know, we you know, I, I find the arts itself is very diverse. So there has to be other people that look like each other that does the same craft, but I haven't seen as much. So I think it's good to speak up and then other people be like, oh yeah, I, I knit or I crochet or I weave. And it's not just for a certain type of people, but, you know, we talk about this all the time and why are not, why are people not you know, delving into this craft more. And sometimes it's about accessibility, you know, and um, how much things cost. I mean, hobbies are not cheap. And so I always talk about how, you know, I've never paid full price, like a full retail price for my looms. I've, I've got them on Craigslist. I get them used all the time, you know, because, you know, full price is really expensive. I understand, like, this is not something where it's not a pair of knitting needles, you know, and it's hard to, weaving equipment is really expensive. It's cost prohibitive. That's what I think. And for me to get around that um, is really finding them used. And, you know, my, my first loom, I always talk about it. I haven't, I feel like I should reach out to the person who sold me my first loom, but I haven't reached out to her yet. Well, I got it off of Craigslist and I never knew it would start a whole different career for me <laughs> in getting that loom. And I didn't actually pay for it because we were discussing back and forth about, you know, about me coming to pick it up. And it was, she wasn't asking for much, which made me wary because it was too cheap. <laughs> and I said, are you sure it's, and she had no pictures. And I said, are you sure it's this loom? You know, and she goes, yeah, I don't know much about it. My, my ex, my ex-boyfriend gave it to me. And I never really took to it. I just want it out of my house. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so I wasn't sure because I just was really where, you know, this is, it's Craigslist. I have no idea who I'm going to, you know? So I was like, I'm not sure about this. And finally, like maybe after two weeks of just back and forth emails, she said, you know what? If you, if you can come pick it up this weekend, you can have it for free. I don't want any money for it. I just wanted it out. I want it out. I'm like, okay. So my husband drove me there and we picked it up and legit, it was the loom. It came with the stand. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe what I got for free. And from that free loom, I took classes and I learned how to use it and that just, you know, this is a whole this is a whole different career for me in the fiber arts, you know, where I suddenly was teaching after that, you know, after learning how to weave and so I always talk and I always talk fondly about that because that was a loom that was given to me for free and it started a whole career for me and so don't let, you know, that's why I always said don't let people, don't let the cost of things sometimes get in the way. You know, you can, you know, trade for things. On Ravelry, people often trade. They say, I don't want the spinning wheel anymore, but I'll take a loom, you know, or I'll, this is something I've been looking into, you know. So I think, um, so we're, we're always talking about how, you know, our, our hobbies are expensive and not people, not many people have um excess money, like spare money to like go and delve into this. But if it's something you want to learn, you know, you can save up for it. You can buy it used. I mean, there, there, there's ways around it, you know? So I think 
you know, and me being in the community as a knitter, weaver, crocheter, and then being in the industry, I feel like I want to use my voice and just share out there how, you know, there's, there's, we, we are a very diverse group um, and we need to be more inclusive for others and that we should welcome others. You know, if, even if you don't know how to do something, I'm always telling people, I'm like, not just, and not just people of color, like men too. Like I don't see a lot of men in the groups and I'm always encouraging them to come to events because they're interested in weaving a, in a technical standpoint. They like the gadgets. So I said, please come to our next, you know, weaving guild meeting, you know, come see what it's about. You know, I think you would enjoy this aspect of it. And, you know, I want it to be, you know, all sorts of people, you know, not just one type of people. And, you know, I, I mean, oftentimes I really do stand out at these events. I know that I do. And it, I try not to let it bother me. And I don't because, you know, I'm, I'm very friendly. I don't know if you notice, I talk a lot. So <laughs> I, I don't let, I, I, that's not a problem for me. If you don't want to talk to me, I'll talk to somebody else. <laughs> it's okay. But I always feel like, you know, um, it's, it's not, um, it's, it's just about being present, you know, you know, sh showing up to these things, you know, just show up, you know, and you can just, and people will always welcome you or pe and some people don't welcome you and that's fine, you know, but you find your place, you know, like you, you ignore the, you, you ignore the naysayers and you keep doing what you're doing because if you enjoy this, this is something that you absolutely enjoy, then don't let other people stop you from doing this. You know, you, you, you keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Where can people go on the internet and social media to follow you and your work? Okay, so on Ravelry, my username is Angela Tong. You'll see me in there. Just just my name. Um, and no space, you know, so Angela Tong. You'll see, I mean, you could follow me on Ravelry. I I don't, I'm not as active on Ravelry, but I post, you know, I try to update um, in my user profile all the projects that I'm working on when I can, but you'll see all my latest designs on Ravelry on the designers, my designers page, and you will see any patterns that are available for knitting and crocheting. For weaving, they don't have a weaving category for patterns, but I put my weaving within my own um, personal user profile. So you'll see my weaving projects on there. Uh, for weaving right now, we do, I don't have a website set up for weaving stuff, but um, I'm very active on Instagram, which my username is A Tong Designs. And on Facebook, I'm Angela Tong Designs. So I'm very active uh, on both social media groups where I talk about a lot of other things that I do too. So anything crafty. Um, I love eating. So you'll be seeing a lot of that too. If you don't want to see eating or food, <laughs> then maybe you don't want to follow me. But I, you know, I talk about all the local restaurants or I just love food. I'm a foodie. So I, that, that tends to come into play with my weaving, knitting and eating. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So, yeah. <laughs> I love talking about eating, so, about food. And so, yeah, you'll see that a lot where um, I've been doing pottery for the last two years. So I show a lot of my pottery that I'm making right now. Um, and, you know, I talk about my classes, um, a lot of upcoming classes that I'm teaching this year. Amazing. Well, thank you again for sharing your story and for giving such amazing advice. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and, and to share with our audience. 
Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't talk your ear off. <laughs> I'm like, I'm chatty. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Angela's work, to download and support some of her patterns, or to take a course, you can find links in the show notes at www.jishan.com slash episode dash 100. Next week on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Lynn Battle, a self-taught weaver crafting her way through a life sidetracked by lupus and MS. So thank you all for the continued support and for tuning in this week. Stay tuned for next week's amazing episode. And until next time, happy weaving.